Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. Welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Show. I'm your host today, Bill Bannum. And in this HR Chat, we're going to consider adapting to the new norms of a post-COVID talent attraction and retention world. My guest this time is the amazing, super famous Mervyn Denning, a talent analyst advising recruitment and HR tech businesses on the emerging trends impacting hiring, retention, and engagement. Mervyn is a writer and an international speaker on recruitment and HR trends, and an award-winning recruitment blogger. Prior to this, he spent 20 years as a recruitment and HR practitioner. Mervyn is also a top HR influencer and the author of Exceptional Talent, How to Attract, Acquire, and Retain the very best employees. He's also got another book coming out uh, probably at the end of 2021 called Digital Talent, which I'm sure we'll talk about today. This podcast is supported by Fidelo Inc., a consulting firm specializing in improving human performance. Through their products and services, Fidelo helps clients design, develop, and implement strategic integrated human resource processes and systems. Learn more at fidelo.com. That's F-I-D-E-L-L-O dot com. Mervyn, welcome to the HR Chat Show. Thank you, Bill. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. So uh, I have to say we have uh, we have HR recruitment royalty with us today, listeners. You know, when I get such a super famous person on the show, I do have to give them the the, uh, the credit that they deserve. So uh, I am in awe of you, sir, and I'm looking forward to learning from you. But why don't we just start by you taking a minute or two and, and introducing yourself to our listeners? Okay, my name is Mervyn, uh, and I am, as as Bill has said, I'm a, a writer, researcher, analyst, and in the modern idiom, influencer uh, around HR talent trends and HR and recruitment technology. Um, a, a fairly circuitous route. Um, I left school, became an accountant. Uh, I was an accountant for a number of years. I got bored. Uh, I then started recruiting accountants uh, and, and then became a recruiter. And then I moved more towards HR, uh, recruiting uh, HR uh, people, but also um, consulting with companies over talent uh, retention and attraction. Um, and then I was right place, right time when social media began to uh, move into HR about 2009 and um, I started going to events, speaking, writing blogs and uh, it leads me to what I do today which is primarily uh, partnering with uh, HR and recruitment tech companies to research market trends and to write about them. Wonderful, thank you very much. Now then I'd like to spend a few minutes with you now and um, look at some of the lessons from from your book Exceptional Talent Mervyn um, but I want to do it with, with, a, with a lens of what's gone on and what's changed over the course of the last 16 to 18 months since uh since covid hit us all um firstly it you explain in your book that in a traditional recruitment and retention process the hr department and potential hires would go through a series of of events you talk about vacancy to interview to hire to first day to confirming employment after after usually three months of probation and then you get the yearly review is that still a thing that's probably a separate conversation um and then hopefully promotion um now the organizations that are winning the talent game are shifting from a series of discrete events to a cohesive and ongoing onboarding process and a new talent journey to use your words tell me about how and why 
talent should be entering the onboarding process well before their first day, even as early as perhaps the first time they've been interviewed? First, I suppose I, I need to start that by saying, you know, in my experience, and to my knowledge of a number of interviews, no job candidate ever says to themselves once they get an offer, well, I really enjoyed that. The interviewing, uh, the, the application, it was really good. I can't wait to find out what the onboarding is going to be like. Um, it doesn't happen. It is one seamless journey uh, that as consumers, uh, people nowadays are used to this you know, always seamless, intuitive digital journey where you don't see the join. Um, and that's what they expect. Uh, they want to know more about the company from the moment they enter the process, uh, the moment they apply. They've, they've obviously done their research online, possibly on social media. They've looked at what the company says about themselves. Um, but, but ultimately, they don't, they don't experience it as a stop start. We in the company know that they are going to move from talent acquisition and hiring manager onto HR and then L&D in terms of the key stakeholders, uh, but they don't experience that. It's just the company. It's one organization and one journey. I've got a bit of a follow-up question for you here. So, so you say that the, the candidate or the employee journey should, should never stop. What, what's changed since Q1 of 2020 when it comes to, to the wants and the needs of employees and, and what employers need to deliver on an ongoing basis? And just to put a bit more context around it, not that you need it because you're an expert, but, but a bit more uh, context around it for, for our listeners. Uh, you know, we, we are in perhaps the fiercest war for talent ever. Um, there are some skills which are in very, very high demand, which means that there's a big portion of a very mobile labor force right now who can kind of demand not what they want, but they can de they can demand the right fit. They can uh, demand that the employer brand represents what they want it to represent and so on and so forth. Mervyn, I don't know if you even remember the question now, but, <laughs> but give it a go. <laughs> um I suppose everything and nothing is the very quick, glib answer to what's changed. Um, obviously, some things have changed in terms of expectations of the candidates. Uh, the relationship they expect to have with the company has obviously changed by the last 18 months. Um, how that, that relationship isn't just with the work they do, but it, it's how the company looks after them, how they access, if you like, the learning and development, you know, what, what the, the, the talent management side. Um, how that is delivered to them, how they join the company. It's all going to be remote. It's going to be virtual. That, 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 I suppose those, those things are different. So the, the way they are being done is different and the candidate expectations are slightly different. Um, the, the, I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant, as you'll know from having read the book, of the expression war for talent because it, 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 it tends to focus on the, the acquisition as opposed to the person. Um, and and yeah, everybody is talent. Everybody has talent um, and it's understanding, I suppose, what, what that talent is and how you can utilize it and how you can help people grow and develop it. Um, and the war for talent tends to mean kind of just other people's talent. So it's an aggressive uh, recruitment campaign of trying to find the best person doing the same job for somebody else, uh, which of course it, it doesn't, most people don't move to do the same job. They move for a bigger opportunity. Okay, maybe maybe we need to start calling it the war for skills or something. In fact, I, I want to talk to you a bit about skills. Yeah. Um, so skills based hiring is it's pretty sexy right now, Mervyn. Let, let, let's be honest. Um, <laughs> everybody's talking about it, um, and uh, and that that's as opposed to past performance and hiring based on past performance. You know, similar roles or whatever that might be. 
why do you suggest that firms should move away from from hiring checklists and, and stop hiring people based on their historical performance and instead start looking at ways to identify candidate competencies and behaviors and what they will be able to bring to your organization based on their based on their skills um, I suppose there's two or three things that come to mind immediately. My, my years as a, a, an external recruiter, I suppose, as an agency recruiter and then uh, working in-house, um, uh, taught me that somebody who's performing exceptionally well in one organisation often moves and doesn't perform as well at all. There is a, a combination of factors that, that, lead, that helps enable their their performance it might be around the team it might be the support they get it might be modern day technology a lot of reasons that don't necessarily replicate themselves uh, in another organization um, i think that the the other uh, thing that i write about particularly i suppose in the the forthcoming book is about this rec not recruiting for the job it is today but recruiting for the job it will become and that involves understanding understanding how jobs are going to evolve, how that particular role maybe will evolve, what they might be doing a year or two's time. And you need to find somebody that can maybe grow with that rather than hire somebody who can sit down and do the job at day one, but in a year's time probably will have to be moved on. So I think the, 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 the important thing are the skills because the, the, that, that is what most candidates look for when they join a company. Most of the research I have seen shows that it's the opportunity to grow, develop and learn new skills, which is why people change jobs and what they look for in an organization. It's the, the number one reason they'll choose to stay. Um, and so we need to be able to, to I suppose, offer that development. Um, and, and that will involve hiring somebody who I suppose has got that, that room, that potential for that growth. I love that answer. And um the the aspect of having that potential uh, perhaps not being not not necessarily standing out as 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 having the the potential to become an, an awesome employee uh is is a imp pretty important topic right now uh, as as uh, companies are i don't want to use the words war for talent do i uh, <laughs> as they're vying vying for skills <laughs> um, so how, how how does skills based hiring offer companies an opportunity to find diamonds in the rough and again just to put a bit more context on this obviously a lot of people have uh, made the decision over the course of the last year to year and a half to to pivot gosh that's another terrible term isn't it to pivot and maybe change career and you might look at someone's resume and think well they're not a fit but actually actually if you if you delve a bit deeper and look at the skills that they've got that they, they could be that diamond in the rough they could really offer something special i think that it's it's having um, a hiring process that enables people to show what they can do. Um, it is a mixture of, of, I suppose, looking at, at different achievements, but understanding how people have achieved things, not what they've achieved. Uh, I mean, if I go back, um, I don't want to give a long answer, but I suppose an obvious example from my recruitment background, and the easiest example is salespeople who I did recruit for a couple of years. Um, and you know, historically, somebody joins a company, they become a big biller, they hit all their targets, exceed all their targets, and they're great. They move to another company and they don't hit a target. And as I said before, there's, there's, they, they, they were very good for, I suppose, a moment in time with a support around them, um, which doesn't necessarily translate. So quite often, 
um, sales organizations will look at previous performance, whereas what, what they really tend to look for now, I suppose, are those skills which are to do with relationship building, to do with building trust and confidence, to kind of understand what potential clients might be looking for rather than just kind of you know banging on doors, but understanding how to partner with them. So I think it, it, again, it's, it's breaking down, I suppose, the skills and competencies, not this is the job, but actually what, what do we need somebody to do and what kind of skills, competencies, achievements should we be looking for in somebody who can do that? Because ultimately, we don't want them to come in and do that job for the next five years. As we grow and develop, we want them to grow and develop. And if we don't give them a chance to grow and develop, they're going to leave. Um, so it is slightly... Um, I suppose it, it it's just taking a different view and it's it's breaking down what the role is. So I suppose another example, and I appreciate it's a long answer. Um, if somebody's looking for I know, a marketing manager, it's just this is the last marketing manager's background. These are the things they do, and therefore that's what I'm looking for again. Where of course you need to factor in, well, how's that role going to change? Uh, what will marketing managers be doing in a year or two's time? Um, how will that what do we want the marketing team to do and do we actually want a different direction how are we going to want to change the way we I suppose represent ourselves to the customers and consumers so I think it's just that that forward thinking uh, we know that the World Economic Forum have said by 2025 you know, 50% of skills are going to need uh, upskilling um, and so we know that this is a constant uh, I suppose journey that uh, our employees will be on uh, and it's just, as, I guess, understanding what we need them to do and what kind of skills, competencies um, will enable them to do that. Um, now I hope I haven't gone on and on on that one. No, actually, and you must be a clairvoyant because uh, um, you, you've, you've foreseen the nature of my my next question, Merlin. Oh, uh, oh which, right. <laughs> which which is which is which is around um, adaptability and and upskilling, actually. Uh, and what I mean right. by that is, many companies have, have used the pandemic as a wake up call and and an opportunity to future proof against new and unforeseen crises that that could again keep their people from from doing their jobs you know potentially pulling people away so they're not able to be in the office or do their jobs in other ways and and, and this has involved augmenting and often replacing traditional roles performed by by human beings um with those with those terrible machines why do you teach that organizations need to be better at appreciating that people don't all adapt at the same pace and acknowledge that implementing new tech is, is an organizational change that may cause disaffection, disaffection amongst amongst the ranks. Um, you, you you haven't even seen a copy of the the second book so far. That uh, the first chapter deals with this. Um, digital transformation is an organisational change, um, and as digital transformation evolves, uh, it, it, it's still an organisational change. We're doing the way somebody does their job, um, but we don't treat it as such. We, we don't uh, implement it as such. And there are many, many organizations that in my research I come across where people are just uncomfortable about how their role has changed. They don't feel they've been taken on this, if you like, journey with the company. It's kind of, you know, guess what? We've given you this whole new system. You're going to love it. And it's like, but I don't know how it operates yet. Um, so I think that it, it, it's, that is why I suppose we talk about trying to assess adaptability, trying to assess, assess an openness to new ideas um, and uh, an openness to change. 
um, so that it's not a case of, well, this is how I've always done it, and therefore I want to try and find a way to continue doing it like that. It's most of the our employees, of course, some jobs will be like that. There are roles that won't necessarily evolve in the way I'm talking about, but with a lot of them, it's this adaptability, curiosity, um, almost emotional intelligence about kind of what can I be doing differently? How can I be doing more? It's those, um, a lot of people call them soft skills, which I don't like. Uh, and I've read uh, in a few places this, that because they're often, uh, they're often referred to as kind of, you know, skills that women tend to have and men don't. And that's why uh, there is a move that I've seen a lot of writing to call them robot proof skills, because that's what they are. It's the kind of things robots won't necessarily and algorithms won't necessarily be able to do. And so I think finding people with that kind of innate curiosity, adaptability and an interest in in, in finding different ways and maybe gaining more knowledge uh, that, that people need to kind of hire for and, and need to try and find a way to identify during the, the hiring process. Okay, and Mervyn, I'm very sad to tell you that we're almost out of time already, sir. Uh, before we do wrap up for today, how can our listeners connect with you? So maybe maybe they do what I did and uh, reach out to you on LinkedIn with a half decent message, and and you them are terribly receptive. Or maybe you want to point them over to your website. Maybe you're really really cool. You look pretty cool. Maybe you're really really cool. And you're on TikTok. What what are the best ways to to get in touch? Uh, Twitter, always Twitter is a great way, at Mervyn Dinnan, M-E-R-V-Y-N-D-I-N-N-E-N. Funnily enough, in 2009, nobody else of that name had, had used that. Um, Facebook, I'm, I'm not on very much at all, really. Um, and uh, I suppose LinkedIn is, is the best way. That's where I tend to share what I'm working on, tend to share new, new research. Um, if you look at, um, and that's where I'll tend to share the writing and there'll be links to it of, of the reports and stuff on LinkedIn. Um, there is also uh, Two Heads Consulting is a name I sometimes uh, write under in collaboration with a guy called Matt Alder, who some listeners may have heard of. Um, and he, uh, we, we often, we've written the books together uh, and we often do um, collaborative research together. Um, so if you look out for Two Heads Consulting as well, um, you'll find uh, links to most of the research reports we've done on that. Awesome. And listeners, you can also hear an interview with with Matt Alder. Uh, oh, my goodness me. That was way back now. That was maybe 2018, uh, which seems like a completely different world now. But uh, he's an equally fantastic man. And uh, please do check out that episode. Uh, but that just leaves me to say for today, Mervyn, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the HR Chat Show. Bill, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. And listeners, as always, until next time, happy working. Thank you for listening to the HR Chat Podcast, brought to you by the HR Gazette.